Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 69 uh, we are in January. It's a new year. We are rocking and rolling. And now that we've uh, done a l- little bit of review, kind of reflecting on some of the things that we've done last year, now it's time to move forward and it's time to look and find the things that we want to focus on for 2018. And so my goal with uh, some of these uh, podcasts coming up is going to be really f- uh, focusing on uh, taking next steps, taking those New Year's resolutions or revolutions that you've uh, Im- imparted in your life or you've determined in your life and figuring out a way to, to get that plan in place so that it's not just a one-month, uh, six-week kind of thing, but it's something that can, you can carry uh, yourself through uh, for the entire year. So today I'm really excited. I, I have a, a guest with me, Jeff Wilkie. I've gotten to know Jeff a little bit over the last couple of months, and I'm really excited to bring him to you. Uh, we have a lot of exciting things to talk about, but a little bit about Jeff. He has made a career in human resources with an emphasis on employee development and workforce engagement strategies since n- 1992. Mm-hmm. He's the founder of Jeff Wilkie Consulting as a private consultant working in the field of change management and organizational development. He has served as the director of organizational development and performance for the mayor's office for the city of Tulsa and served Hogan Taylor as Chief Human Resource Officer, and now he leads the Human Capital Strategies niche. In this role, he works as a confidant and coach to organizational executive teams and assists in the focus and formulation of a company's human capital strategies, providing counsel and talent architecture. He collaboratively works diligently to identify and build human capital critical to the present operations and future growth of organizations. He also provides valuable consulting around change management and organizational communication. So the good news is I made it through your bio. (laughs) That was a lot of stuff there. It was, yeah. So Jeff, say hello to the audience. And I'm sure uh, there's a lot of gaps that I missed in there. So kind of fill everybody in uh, a little bit about who you are. Okay. Well, first and foremost, Evan, thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm excited to be here. Um, I have gotten to listen to some of the podcasts that you've done. It's amazing. Uh, and I really appreciate the way that you're bringing just what I feel like are really current issues and topics to the forefront for listeners. So I'm really excited. Awesome. I'm very, very excited. Um, so yeah, you did a great job. I, you know, When you hear your bio, you think, oh my gosh, I've really done a lot of stuff. Uh, and you don't realize that... Um, you know, over the span of a career, kind of where you come from. So anyway, sorry, I just, as you were reading that, that kind of struck me. But uh, absolutely. So I have spent most of my career in human resources and in human capital. So that's anything from literally onboarding to offboarding employees. So I have done the full gamut of that. 
Uh, the work that I have enjoyed probably the most has been what you mentioned in the organizational development uh, and really helping teams to really communicate better. And then within those teams, people that are leading those teams to lead more effectively. So uh, I've been in this work for about 25 years now, which is kind of weird, but really cool when I look back at when I started. And so um, uh, you and I met through Leadership Tulsa, mm -hmm. and that is an organization I've been a part of for 19 years. So I started as a participant in the organization, came through it, and just feel like it's a really good organization for developing skills, networking, and more than anything, just getting to engage with people that are different than yourself. And that's going to be something that you know I want to talk today about is just how you work with people who are different, how you manage that difference, and really how you use that to, to be a more effective leader and a more effective follower too. So um, yeah, so you and I have gotten to kind of know each other better. We've had a couple of breakfasts been kind of neat to hear about your journey, what's important to you, and so uh, that's a little bit about me. How does that sound? Did I cover <laughs> no, it all? that was great. Okay, cool. That was great. I, one of the big things that I want to make sure that we're communicating here, because as I'm reading the bio and we're talking about human capital mm -hmm. and we're talking about organizational development and all those different things, right. I think sometimes people, uh, especially my audience, these may be new terms to them, or they may be terms that they're just starting to figure out are, are things that are important. But mm -hmm. uh, is, is it fair to say that we're basically talking about getting people together to work as a team? That's it. That's it. And everything that comes around that. So human capital is a huge topic that encompasses, like I said, literally the onboarding of employees all the way through to offboarding. But in between that onboarding and offboarding is really how they function and work as an individual, but then as part of a collective or a team. Mm -hmm. And so I really help organizations to maximize that. And honestly, that is so rewarding when you see people work better together, to be cohesive, and then for people to discover their potential as they lead those teams. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what's amazing. So I don't know about the people uh, that you work with, but uh, I've kind of seen a history of a lot of different people mm -hmm. that I've either worked with or come in contact with. They're literally going every single direction um, known to man. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, never, they're never truly wanting to all go the same direction at the same time right. with the same plan. Right. And so as a leader, our mm -hmm. job is to kind of corral that a little bit, harness that power, uh, I hear people talk about getting people on the right bus, but not mm -hmm. just getting them on the right bus, mm -hmm. but getting them on the right seat of the bus. So right. talk about that a little bit, because when you have so many people with so many different desires, obviously, uh, you, when you get a company to a certain size, you're, you're hopefully attracting the right kinds of people. Mm -hmm. But how do you get everybody to start going in that same direction? And, and how does that teamwork really start to build over time? That's good. So to me, what I always tell people is before you can really be a leader, you have to be able to build trust with the people that you're leading because trust becomes the form of motivation that people have to move forward. So the more I trust you, mm -hmm. the more apt I'm going to be to do what you ask me to do. But just to walk in and tell everybody, hey, I'm the leader, you'll follow me, people don't buy into that. So I spend a lot of time with leaders on teams helping them to understand what it means to, to build rapport to gain trust, and you might call that building a relationship with people. Mm -hmm. But I help people figure out who, who the members of their team are, 
what make them tick, what matters to them. Uh, it's almost you know like asking the question, you know, what what do they need? What do they want? What are they here for? And then once you understand that and you get a feel for who they are and what they're going to bring to the team, then you begin to corral. Mm-hmm. Then you begin to know what the parameters are going to be. You mm-hmm. know, for example, you could have someone who is really there because they're super driven. They are what you might call the D and the disc. Mm-hmm. So they're very direct. They are very focused on being the winner. Uh, but you might also have some people who are like, look, I'm just here for the fellowship. I just love the, the group. I'm just, I'm here to do whatever. Mm-hmm. But you have to understand those dynamics in order to be able to lead the team. Because as you said, I do have people all over the map. I mean, it's, it's, it's different motivations, different desires, different outcomes that are expected or preferred. So you have to be able to get all those understood and be able to move that forward. But I think that's that's what you have to do too as a leader. You have to be almost like a chameleon and be able to understand where people are coming from and communicate at their level uh-huh. what they need Absolutely. in order to move forward. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. So we, you said a very key term, and I think this term is, is something that a lot of leaders are aware of, but I don't, know, I don't think they always know how to build it. So mm-hmm. you said trust. Mm-hmm. So tr- how do, what does trust look like to you? Yeah. So trust looks like to me a person who believes that you have their best intentions at heart. Mm-hmm. So in other words, they assume the best no matter what, mm-hmm. right? That that to me has been the model of trust I've seen in leaders. The current leader I have right now over our larger niche very much has my back. I feel that right away. And it's because of the interactions that we have and the questions that he asks me that makes me feel like, you know what, he understands what I'm trying to do, he believes in what I'm trying to do, and he's going to make sure that I'm as successful as I can be. Mm -hmm. And I think people just get a sense or a feeling because the words you use, the actions that you take, the behaviors you exhibit all say, I'm for you. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that I'm, I'm patting you on the back the whole time. One of the ways I could really say I'm for you is to be really honest and direct with something I've seen you do and say, this is not going to be successful for you. Mm -hmm. This is not going to lead you to where you want to go. In my career, I have had leaders who have had the courage to say that to me. And rather than be repelled by that, I'm drawn to that. Mm -hmm. I want that. I need that. And so I think that no matter where people are coming from, they want the truth. They want the bad news even if it's going to be hurtful, because what it says, after you kind of get through the initial, I can't believe they said that, <laughs> is that they just gave you a gift. Yeah. And that gift was honesty, and that gift was, hey, I, I have courage enough to tell you this, therefore I want you to be better. And I, I think that's huge. To me, that's that's what it is. So again, it's 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 really the, the words you say, uh, the actions that you take, and it's the behaviors you exhibit. That's huge. And that, to me, communicates trust. Well, I'm glad you kind of broke that down a little bit because, and I want to kind of key in a little bit on one of the things that you said, which was if you're in a situation with a leader yeah. that you believe you have, uh, that, that you trust and that they trust you, mm-hmm. um, that they can tell you the ugly truth. They can uh, not sugarcoat it. They can be very direct with you. Right. 
and uh, ultimately you called it a gift. Yeah, I would say, and, and if I'm and if I'm referring back to the uh, to the audience, which for me was a, a younger version of myself, mm-hmm. I don't know that I'd have viewed that as a gift oh, in my early twenties. No, you wouldn't have. Yeah, because one of the first gifts I received was at age twenty nine, and I received it probably at the height of my egocentrism, right? Yeah. Where I'm the best, nobody is better than me, um, and everybody really should be here wanting me to be the very best, right? Mm-hmm. And and one of the gifts that I received early in my career took a lot of courage for that person to tell me that, but my initial reaction, everything that that person told me felt like such an attack. Mm-hmm. But when I started to unpack it, and I started to check with people and say, hey, Evan, do, do I come across as, as too enthusiastic? You know, am I overwhelming at times or what have you? And real friends like you said, yeah, actually, <laughs> you are. I've never said anything because I just think it's you, but sometimes I notice that in audiences, it, it turns people off, whatever. Once I process through what that individual had given me, I still use elements of that today. And this particular example that we're talking about mm-hmm. happened 18 years ago. Yeah. And I can still come back. But but there's a moment for you where you have to say, wow, didn't I ask for this feedback? I said, be honest. Yeah. And number two, is he is he right? Is she right? Could, could it be something that I'm doing? And you have to make a decision. And for me at that point, I made the decision to really listen to it, mm-hmm. and it changed me. But I totally agree with you. At 20, 24, 28, you, you can't hear it. Mm-hmm. And, and sadly, you will have people on your team which will be in their 40s and 50s who have never chosen to do anything about what they've been told. Yeah. And those are the people that get stuck. They stall out. And, and sometimes those are people that are on a team that are uncoachable mm-hmm. because they just cannot get better because they are not used to hearing, hey, you, you should improve in this area or have you considered or what have you. And for me, it makes me sad because doing this as long as I have, I can, I can almost immediately recognize when people cannot change or they cannot take something that someone has given them and do something with it. I mean, you don't always have to do everything that people say, but you know, there's a kernel of truth in what people give you, and you have to search for that kernel. Mm-hmm. Well, what is it that they're telling me that I need to take and, and improve upon? Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes it's, it's a level of maturity to be able to hear that, but I think self-awareness is a big part of it too. We, we won't talk about emotional uh, intelligence here, but I know you've probably talked about it in your podcast. Mm-hmm. It's critical. Yeah. And the earlier you can become self-aware, the better it's going to be for you in your career, Mm -hmm. truly. I'm glad that you spoke about all of that stuff. And one of the things that you you said that really uh, stood out to me was at some point there are people that are uncoachable. And it's truly because they're not willing to receive the mm-hmm. feedback. They're not mm-hmm. willing to invite that stuff in and take that self-analysis right. uh, and, and look and say, you know what? There is a central issue to every single interaction that I have with people, and it's me. <laughs> and I need to figure out what I'm doing because 
if this happens, if this keeps happening, I'm either going to have to move or I'm going to run out of places to go. And if you're finding yourself in that situation, that's a pretty good sign that you need to start looking internally as opposed to what's all their problem. I, I feel like our culture right now uh, is getting to the point where a lot of, uh, a lot of kids and, and young adults are being mm-hmm. coddled and they're being told that they're perfect and, and they, they don't get a lot of the negative feedback. And so I'm concerned that a lot of people that will classify that millennial generation as one that's um, entitled or they, they feel everything's owed to them. Mm-hmm. I believe part of that is because they haven't been told the real hard truth, that they need to work on themselves. And so that's one of the reasons that we have the podcast here is so mm-hmm. that we can kind of shine a light on that and say, don't look at that uh, that person who's built up the courage to say something to you uh, that probably makes you feel uncomfortable. Look at it instead of, wow, this person cares that much about me. And hopefully it's a person that you have a trust with. It's, it's not going to be somebody who you obviously dislike and they dislike you. That feedback, there may be some truth in there somewhere, but uh, try to find those, those confidants, those people that, that really have your best interest in mind. Mm-hmm. And as you're talking to them, if something like this comes up and it completely throws you back, um, you got to lean into that. You got to really dig into that because that's going to help you so much further along in life. We don't want to get to the point to where we're unco- uncoachable. Yeah. It's true. And, you know, in Leadership Tulsa, one of the things that we talk about with participants is if you hear something you disagree with or that rubs you the wrong way, listen harder. Mm -hmm. And I think that is where the level of maturity and being able to say, you know what, I... That just rubs me the wrong way. Why does it rub me the wrong way? Why is it, mm-hmm. you know, why is it 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 hurting so bad? Um, and and if you just listen harder, you get value out of that that you wouldn't have if you just would have said whatever, dude, yeah. whatever. <laughs> you don't like me. You're jealous. You know all the reasons that we can use to discount someone's truth that they're giving to us. Yeah. And you have to be so careful of that, especially as you become a leader. And, and you move into a role where people are seeing you mm-hmm. and watching you, it, it's very important that, that you become self-aware in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're talking a little bit like uh, I'm thinking about knee-jerk reactions. You get you, something happens and mm-hmm. immediately you respond. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in, in some cases, it's just something that you hear that you don't like. Right. Uh, or, or you don't necessarily believe and you're saying uh, you got to listen harder. And, and I think the, the point of that is, is, as you begin to listen and as you begin to see the other side, yeah. I think that's when you can really make an informed decision. You may not agree with any of it 45 minutes into it, but I don't think that you're in a position to make a final decision on something that's probably a much bigger problem than, than you fully understand. And so I think that it's really important as leaders and as we're trying to guilt, uh, build trust with our teams mm-hmm. that you you approach those conversations from uh, from an approach of, of listen first. Um, we talk a little bit about being interested before being interesting and the importance mm-hmm. of always listening to what that other person has to say because at some point you could change your mind. Your, your values and principles and everything that you have um, are unique to you, which is great, and uh, I want you to embrace that. 
But I think it's also important to recognize that there may be some flaws that you have or there's some uh, things that are developing within you that need to be corrected. Yeah. And if you're able to listen to those things, lean into them, and not react right away, but evaluate, keep the good, throw out the bad, uh, I think you're going to be a better person because of it. And ultimately, you're going to become that very coachable person that as your company's looking for leaders or as you're looking for leaders in, in your organization, mm-hmm. uh, turn it around. If, if you're a leader, are you the kind of person that they want to hire, that you want to hire? Are you the kind of person that you look for when building a team? And if you can't answer that question, that might be a good opportunity for you to, again, to, to find those people that you trust and have those difficult conversations so that you can work towards that, that development to get to that point where you are that kind of person that you would hire. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Well, we've talked a little bit about building trust as leaders and, mm-hmm. and building teams, and yeah. this is a much bigger topic than I think we can even encompass in, in one podcast. But you, you talked about your your journey as uh, as a human uh, was a human capital strategist. Mm-hmm. Um, you you bring them in, but then there's a there's a point of retaining people too. So yeah. I want to talk a little bit about that as well because. Yeah. When you get the right people, you get really talented people. Yeah. The goal then is to keep them. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you talk a little bit about what comes into play with once you've built that trust, once you've built that good team, how do you keep that team going so that they're not attracted to go other places? So retention is very big, uh, especially in the organizations that are client companies of ours. And that is, you know, when you think about talent, that you get in the door and that you cultivate over time, you don't want to do anything that that would make people begin to think, is it better out there? Yeah. Excuse me, it, should I begin to look? Uh, this person doesn't really respect or value what I do, therefore I need to consider looking at some other things. And mind you, some of your best, your, your best efforts to retain people are going to fail because you might have employees that have their own agendas that that they've never shared with you. Mm -hmm. Um, You may want, you know, at this time in my life, I want to be in this level role and what have you. Or you you might be called by a recruiter. I have no idea. It's a really great opportunity. And I want to just say, hey, Evan, go for it. This is awesome. You know, just just move along. So so what I want to do is I want to kind of talk again about the importance of that trust factor and making sure that people know that you have their best interest at heart. Mm -hmm. And I think the key for retaining really great employees is making sure that you give them the right tools and resources to do their job well and that you provide a consistent feedback loop to them to let them know how they're doing. The other thing that I think is a great retainer of people, and I wish I could throw out a really handy statistic or or tell you uh, this group says this or what have you, but we know that training and development and sponsoring people to get better, Mm -hmm. to, to, you know, here at Hogan Taylor we say, you know, we want to be better tomorrow than we are today. Mm-hmm. So in order to be better tomorrow, you have to constantly look at things that you can do to be better. So that is continuing to, to develop. I know it's been a hallmark for us here at the firm to make development one of our primary areas. 
And I know certainly members of my team, I try to make sure that they get as many development opportunities as they want. Mm -hmm. And there will be some people in your audience that say, why would you invest in people knowing that they could leave or, or wherever they go? I truly believe that when you invest in people and, and they leave on a, a positive note, so it's a voluntary separation, they decide, you know what, I, I want to try something else, you retain that friendship, you retain mm -hmm. that trust, and as life goes on, you still have that relationship that you can pull back in. So, so again, I think it, it is really all about making sure they know you have their back. So what does that look like? Mm -hmm. With probably a question you ask, I think I think it's knowing things about family situations, mm -hmm. about knowing what's going on with people, so that uh, as situations or things come up, you can say to them, you know what, tell you what, you take care of that. This will take care of itself, and you will just allow them to take care of things that they need to take care of. Because you know, work is work, but. You know, for some people, family is family, mm -hmm. and family always is is a precedent. It always leads. Uh, other for other people, their spiritual walk is their primary driver. Whatever it is, right. I have to know what that is so that I can help guide them. And then I just think that people have a tendency to stick around where people again have the courage to say, "Man, you really missed it there," and let's talk about that. Or they also stick around where someone is able to say, hey, Evan, I watched you in that interaction. That is your thing. Mm -hmm. The way that you, you manage that situation, the way you shared that information, the way you, you built that widget, what have you, no one is as good as you in that area. Mm -hmm. And I really value that about you. I have, I have long been a note writer, and people kind of look at me silly when I say writing notes. But uh, I do write notes, and I write notes to people, and I use three letters to remember what I write in those notes. Mm -hmm. And this is a more positive, but I always remember to tell them the impact of what they've done on me, on our department or the group that we work in, and then the impact on the organization. And I call that impact YDO. And so it, it basically means the impact on you, the impact on the department, and the impact on the organization. And what I try to do is I try to let people know the impact of their actions on me, how it made me feel, on how it's gonna help our department, and then what the organization is gonna benefit from. Now, on the other side of the coin, if I catch the eagle in flight, so to speak, and something has gone wrong, or there's a negative behavior or something, then I use those exact same words and I just impact YDO. <laughs> so I just say, you know, hey, I want, I want to make sure you understand that not only did that, did that make me look bad because I put my neck out on the line, you told me that something was done correctly. As a department now, our credibility is right. going to take a hit. And you know as well as I do that Right now, for the organization, it is all about performing and holding your own. Mm -hmm. So what just occurred may impact us in that way. So I want you to kind of own that and let me know what, what can you do differently the next time to keep that from happening. Yeah. And I just try to remember phrases or, or uh, you know, the the kind of anagrams I think you would call it to yeah. just help me remember mm -hmm. because I think that helps retain people. 
Now, obviously, if I have to keep doing the negative impact YDO, then you and I both are going to know that maybe this isn't a fit, mm -hmm. and I would follow some kind of corrective action process, or you would self-select out because you would realize, ugh, I yeah. can't do it. But but I, I truly believe that that small things like that make a huge difference and keep people connected to the organization. A lot more than major incentives or major bonuses or salary. You know, when you think about it, here in the United States, we're, we're in the people business. Mm -hmm. People work, and people work together. So we have to we have to figure out how to keep people in, in this place of they, they believe in me, they trust me, they want me to be in my very best. And so that's what I try to do. And that's what I try to to share with other people is the importance of uh, doing things like that because it helps to retain employees. And then, you know, the other side, which is, okay, you've had three conversations where this person didn't perform. How are you giving them the understanding that they're not doing that so that they can be better? Yeah. You know. Well, I love how you brought up the correlation of all these different things compared to bonuses and incentives yeah because it, as i was writing down all the different things that, that you talked about tools and resources respect value trust appreciation all these different things don't cost any money uh resources and tools maybe mm -hmm. but i think a lot of times as as leaders we get stuck in the mentality well i just got to pay them a lot and then right. they'll stay but people don't leave because of pay in most cases yeah. people leave because they don't feel appreciated right they don't feel respected they right. don't feel like they bring value to the table I think a lot of times especially the younger generation they want to make an impact yeah they they feel like whatever cause it is or whatever else that that's something that they really want to support so as a leader you need to find out what is important to them right and then help translate that to what the organization is doing and here's the deal if I'm a young leader mm -hmm. And I have people who are only looking for salary and only looking, then I may not want them on my team. Mm -hmm. So as hard as it is to let them go because they're really great, what have you, they're not going to be a fit in your team. And that's something that I that I saw happen a lot with younger leaders is, oh, I've got to have them. I've got to do whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to throw money at them or benefits or things like that. If you really have people like that, it may not be a fit for your culture. So as hard as it is, it may be the best thing for them to leave mm -hmm. and look at how green the grass is on the other side or or experience that it's not greener. Yeah. And I have had individuals who are members of my team who are so incredibly good, but culturally they're not a fit because they would rather, you know, they if, if the culture in the organization is you know, we work for the benefit of the work, then they're not going to be connected to the culture. They're going to be looking for another culture, which is we're all about the results right. and hitting that next target and, and going stretch every time. Mm -hmm. Then that's okay. We, we want them to move along. And that's hard. But, you know, when you mentioned the young leaders, I, I see this happen a lot, especially with newer leaders mm -hmm. who think it's, you know, it's all about them looking great and having a team that makes them look great. And, and it's partially that, but it's really more about the performance of the team mm -hmm. and how people are able to work individually and, and able to really perform collectively. Mm -hmm.
anyway, I, when you said that, I thought, God, I see that so much. It's just the fear of, I don't want to let this person go, so I'm going to try to throw money at them because I, I think, and the other thing that you can't do, and I'll, we'll move on, but, but this is a big thing, is never expect that what motivates you is going to motivate them. Oh, It's huge. Uh, because what I have a tendency to do, and I found myself is thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to totally love this because I love it. But the reality is, is that we are all so different. And this is why I do so much work in change management. It's just managing difference. Mm-hmm. And it's not always ethnicity. It's not always what I can see. It's just, I mean, you and I are very different people. Um, we connect on many things, but if you and I were to, to get deeper than we normally do, what we'd find is that there are subtle differences that mm-hmm. over time would, would make us really, you know, but, but that's the other mistake I see is that I really love vacations. I really love getting away with my family. Therefore, I want to motivate everybody with trips yeah. or vacation time. You know, you might have someone who uh, is not married, no family. For them, that's not going to be a motivator. Yeah. What really does motivate them is time away with family or a bonus that is going to help them get a boat or what mm-hmm. have you. But... That's kind of back to your original question is, I'm not going to really know that unless I take time to get to know that. Yeah. Well, and that's that's part of like the whole goal with this. Is mm-hmm. I, I, we, we want to talk about different topics, but I think it's important to see that a lot of these different uh, uh, principles or whatever else yeah. inter, are interwoven into mm-hmm. everything that you do as a leader. Mm-hmm. And um, I love how you're talking about your motivation may be different than somebody else's. And I think a, a lot of times people get hung up on the fact that like if my motivation is is financial and we think to ourselves that well then everybody should be financial and you start throwing bonuses at everybody but that's not motivating them or it just reprograms them that hey I can make more money if I do this I don't think that you're really unlocking the the true potential of, of a person until you've really taken that time to get to know them to find out what their strengths are find out what motivates them and really take them uh to that next level, uh, when you talk about just writing notes or, or mm-hmm. appreciating people, I, yeah. I think about uh, Lee Cockrell has a book called Creating Magic, and he uh, talks about this thing called R. It's an acronym: uh, Appreciate, Recognize, and Encourage. Oh, and he like said that, that those three, uh, those things as a leader, you have an infinite supply of. You will never run out of appreciation, recognition, and encouragement, and it costs you little to nothing. the The challenge that most leaders run into is they have this unlimited supply and they only use a very small percentage of it. And what they use, if they were to use more, would actually motivate and encourage people to stay and be retained more. Mm-hmm. It's just they become very stingy with that because they don't wanna, they don't wanna overly attaboy somebody. But you know what? If you get to the point where you're liberal with, um, with the appreciation and recognition, yeah. I think you're gonna have people that are more loyal I think you're going to build more of that trust that we're talking mm-hmm. about, and people are going to feel like you have their back as a leader. So it's almost uh, a path to building that, accelerating that trust that you're trying to build with those uh, with those employees. So I love all of these different things because you know as we're talking about teams and working together and building them and retaining yeah. them, yeah. Um, I, I think it's also important to talk about the the team as it works together and trying to uh, figure out when it's okay to speak up and when it's not okay to speak mm-hmm. up. Um, and, and so one, one of the things I, we're just now getting to it, 
But one of the things I really want to talk about in this podcast is something that you introduced me to, which is the Abilene Paradox. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, something that I had never heard of it before. But as soon as I heard it, I had immediately identified multiple times when I was actually an active participant in the paradox. Right. So it, talk a little bit, if you will, about what that is, if you can explain that like in a very short amount of yeah. time. So this idea uh, was actually brought forward by a guy named Jerry Harvey, and he was a professor. And basically what he said is that this thing occurs where groups make decisions that are actually contrary to what they really want to do, and it defeats the purpose that they actually wanted to achieve, okay? So if you think about that, it's like um, when you're in a group and nobody really wants to do something, but somebody brings it forward, and it's this idea came from a family that um, they were all sitting around, they were bored, and somebody said, hey, do you want to go to Abilene for dinner? And nobody really wanted to go, but nobody really wanted to disagree either mm -hmm. because they were afraid that uh, they were going to be looked at differently. They didn't feel like they could speak up. They wanted to go along. They didn't want to seem like a person who was not a part of or a follower in that group. And, you know, all the dynamics that occur on teams, this is a great example because what happens is we, we, we don't want to be ostracized from the group by speaking up and speaking our mind. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if we don't speak up and speak our mind, what happens to the group? Uh, and especially if we, we owned the information or the knowledge that said this is not a good idea, then we have now ostracized ourselves because we didn't bring that forward right, right. and say, you know, this is not a good idea. I have this expertise and we're really going down a wrong path here, mm -hmm. right? It, it would have been so much better if I just spoke up, but it's a very unique dynamic, and we talk about it in Leadership Tulsa, which is where we introduced it, because so many times people are a part of teams or organizations where they just don't speak up, mm -hmm. where nothing is said. And, and if you want to look at the, the, the danger of these challenges, you can look at other concepts that are very similar, like groupthink. Mm -hmm. You know, groupthink, we know, was a big part of the Challenger disaster mm -hmm. years ago because people did not want to speak up and say, you know, I, I don't think that's a good idea, or to challenge something to say, is that really the best thing that we need to do? Mm -hmm. You know, we've tried that before, and it hasn't really worked, so why would we want to go there? Yeah. And it takes courage for people to speak up and to be able to say those things. But when I work with teams, one of the very first things I do is usually show them the, the paradox mm -hmm. or describe it to them because many times what's happening is the group is not being honest with each other. They're not bringing forward concerns or challenges because they are worried about being expelled from the team mm -hmm. or being looked down on. Uh, or being retaliated against. I mean, that's very real, yeah. right? It's, it's, I disagree with Evan. I literally depants him in front of everybody, and he now takes it out on me. Yeah. Or he may try to do things in a, a passive-aggressive way or an overt-aggressive way to get back at me. And so we just we, we let worry and negative fantasy and fear of separation 
keep us from really speaking our truth. And a big part of helping teams to be better and improving is, is creating a space for it to be okay to speak up, mm-hmm. to make it all right to disagree. But when I work with teams, it's very important that we create an environment where it's okay to speak your truth mm-hmm. uh, and to speak that truth without blame or judgment, you know, to be able to say, hey, I feel this way, but it doesn't mean that we have to be enemies or adversaries. I, this is my view. Yeah. And I think leaders really perform best when they welcome those differing views. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, you've probably seen or heard in groups, you know, you might assign someone to be a devil's advocate, right? right? So we're coming up with this. Hey, Evan, I want you to be devil's advocate and think of anything that might keep us from, from going there or, or anything that might that we might not see because we are so positive about it. Yeah. And, you know, the more conflict that you can be in, which I know people are going to say, oh, my gosh, no way. I, I don't like to be in conflict. I want to avoid the conflict. But the more constructive conflict you're involved in where people challenge each other, you get a much better result. Mm-hmm. And you get a greater respect in that group because I am willing to say, hey, I don't trust this or I I think this is different or Evan, I don't really understand why this is so strong for you. Why is it so strong? Yeah. But you, you have to have courage and you have to have a level of trust in the group to not take that the wrong way when people speak up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly and, what you're saying. And yeah. this, this concept of, of the Abilene <clears throat> Paradox is a very important dynamic because what it basically says is that you should never just assume agreement in a group. Mm-hmm. You should never assume that just because I say it's the right way to go, everybody's like, yeah, okay? If I don't create opportunities for people to speak up or to be able to challenge me, what can actually happen is the further we go down that road, people who have a disagreement might try things like triangulation where they may not address it with me, but they address it with someone else, Mm -hmm. and I lose the commitment from the group because they're not... They're not able to to fully embrace where I'm going. But the more I make it okay for people to speak up, the better. So the Abilene Paradox says that we have to create a culture and environment where it's okay to confront each other, where it's okay to disagree, okay? So if you say, hey, I'd really like to go here, or I'd like to do this or whatever, it's okay to say, oh, I don't really want to. Yeah. Or I don't think that's a good idea. And sometimes you have to be careful because we we think that you're wanting a response, so I'm trying to give you the response that you want. Yeah. When in fact it's not how I feel, and so I end up being unhappy mm-hmm. because I'm just trying to placate you rather than really speaking up. In in organizations that I work with that have high dysfunction or that they are um really not working well together, I actually take them through the five dysfunctions of a team by Patrick Lencioni. I know you know this book, but Mm -hmm. but Patrick Lencioni did this this paradigm years ago, and he he has a company called The Table Group, and they focus on helping to work through these dysfunctions. Mm -hmm. And I think it's huge because the foundational dysfunction is a lack of trust. You know, so that, again, that's back to what we talk about. But one of the areas that I, that I really focus on when I work with teams is making it okay 
for people to disagree and as a leader being open to disagreement and not being somebody that that keeps people from really speaking up because then you become a leader where people feel like they're walking on glass around you. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't really want to say things. And then I can't retain good employees because they just, it's uncomfortable. It's an environment that they don't feel safe in and they don't feel comfortable that they can be themselves or speak their truth and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I've said that phrase, speak your truth a lot. <laughs> and I apologize. It sounds really, you know, uh, kind of new agey. But, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's just... You know, being honest. Yeah. It's really being honest. I think it's important for people to realize that the reason that you're in that team is because of your unique set of skills and opinions and whatever else. And if you choose not to bring those to the table, it's kind of pointless for you to be on that team. And Mm -hmm. so when you're in those environments, look at those as opportunities to express and bring those ideas to the table because that's what they're looking for. That's that's why you're in that room. And if you take that seriously, you'll get away from that group groupthink. Uh, I don't necessarily believe that every other word you have to interrupt and interject and be a devil's yeah. advocate. There's, there's certain times when you can agree to disagree, um, and then that's a good time to kind of wait and, and get more information before you do speak up. Mm-hmm. But if you feel like every time you're in that meeting that something needs to be said and you're not saying it, I think that's when you're getting closer to that, that, Abilene, um, that Abilene paradox. Um, one of the things I wrote down when you were talking was look at your meetings. Is it a presentation or is it a conversation? Mm-hmm. If it's a presentation, you're probably getting very close to that Abilene paradox because mm-hmm. nobody's speaking up. Everybody's just nodding. It's that group thing, uh, and, and you're not going to fully vet something. I think about uh, that Pepsi commercial with, with uh, Kendall Jenner. Uh, I'm sure on paper... Uh, and at the time, it seemed like a really good idea, but nobody actually raised their hand and said, hey, you know what, maybe we should go a different direction with this. Maybe this is a little too sensitive right now to, to do, or it's not going to uh, be well received. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at this huge uh, media campaign that they did, and it's considered probably one of the biggest flops in terms of, of campaigns because nobody took the time to say, or, or maybe there was not that trust in that environment for them to say, hey, uh, you know what? I think we're going to offend more people than we are going to bring in. And this might not be what the brand is or what our culture is. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important to have those well-defined things. And I think in your meetings, it's important that your culture permeates the meeting too, that you've done a good job of establishing that culture to the point where they do feel comfortable saying that. Uh, I would say that if you're in those highly dysfunctional teams or you're in those teams that are really struggling with some of these, these challenges, that it's important to look at the culture first. Yeah, uh, That's going to help weed out a lot of those different things so that when you're getting into those meetings, you can always point back to, hey, we do want to establish trust. We do want to have relationships. We, we do want to value your opinion. And that's where those important things will come out. Um, I, I want to kind of uh, wind this down a little bit and mm-hmm. look at the uh, Albaline Paradox as something that is a symptom of, of, of a toxic right. environment or a right. symptom of a challenge. So uh-huh. uh, we've talked a lot about trust, and I feel like that trust is a big part of a weeding some of that stuff out. Uh-huh. But how do you go towards, like, you, you're listening to this podcast, and you're realizing, hey, the Albaline paradox is something we definitely uh, struggle with. We have a lot of groupthink going on. Yeah. I'm losing a lot of employees. You're kind of hitting on all the nerves, but what are my what are my first steps in terms of turning this thing around? Yeah, it's good. 
So, so first of all, I, I love what you said is, are most of your team meetings presentations or are they conversations? Mm-hmm. Is there a dialogue that's happening? If you find that you're the only person talking there, I have just stopped meetings before and just said, hey guys, everybody good? Is there anything that's kind of happening that we need to address or that we need to discuss? Because you know, we're talking about this thing that's really important, but mm-hmm. I don't hear anybody saying anything. I don't, I don't hear anyone disagreeing or what have you. And I'll just be silent and I'll put it out there. And it might feel awkward because it's just paused out there, whatever. But I have to create that so that people can share their thoughts or opinions and they can kind of get, get that out there. There are times when I've asked a trusted confidant in a group or in a meeting like you, and I'll just say, hey, Evan, you know, we had that staff meeting. Was it just me or did it feel like there was something else happening in the room? Or, mm-hmm. you know, what's, what's going on that I may not know about? And hopefully Evan will be honest with me and tell me what's going on. But I would say that silence or what you just said, if it's more presentation, less a conversation, that should be obvious. So just stop it, ask a question, have some individual interviews with, with your team and just say, hey, how's everything going? Is there, is there something happening I may not be aware of or what have you? And someone will elicit a response and say, well, actually, yeah, Bob's really struggling with where we're going and what's going on. And we're, I was getting a cup of coffee with him and, and he's really not clear on our objectives. Mm. And I think as a team, we're not really clear on what it is that you want us to do or what have you. And as a leader, be okay with that. Don't sit and go, God, I'm the worst leader ever, and I can't (laughs) believe nobody knows about this. But just be able to step back and go, you know what? I need to be clear. I need to be stronger in what I've said here, or I need to be more direct in what I need. So just have some individual interviews. Try to get at the heart of it. And then don't be afraid to call in a resource, Mm -hmm. to have somebody help you with the team dynamic. I have gotten the most success from client engagements where a leader will be self-aware enough to say, you know what, I don't want to just facilitate my team. I want to be a member of my team. Will you come in and facilitate our discussion? And part of what I do within the human capital niche is I actually lead a couple of clients and we, we do quarterly team meetings that are a half day where we just review what's happened the quarter before, mm-hmm. and we have like a leadership theme or a leadership focus. We go over that leadership focus, set some goals for quarter number two, and go right into that quarter. But it is helpful to have somebody that will actually do the facilitation and allow the teams to interact like a team. Yeah. Because sometimes what the leader does is he spends so much, he or she spends so much time being the leader that they can't really be a member of the team. And I just think it's super healthy to have whoever is the leader to actually be a true team member. You'll always be the leader, right? And people see that way. But the more you get to interact as a team and step out of that official role, the healthier it can be, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's a great place to start. And I think it's important to realize that 
you can't just listen to one podcast or you can't just read one book and have all the answers. This is something that you're going to do over time. You're, you're going to make mistakes as a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to have times where your team is dysfunctional yep. uh, and that and you have an environment that's maybe not where the culture needs to be. Mm-hmm. So your job is first to recognize that. And then the, then the next step after that is to start taking steps towards uh, making a change. You're not going to change it overnight. If you have a meeting that people aren't speaking up and Bob's the guy who's uh, not feeling comfortable and everything, you yeah. can't just go to Bob and be like, hey, Bob, you need to get get in gear. Uh, this is going to be something that uh, trust is something that's built over time. I think if I remember the quote correctly, uh, tr- trust is something that takes years to accumulate and seconds to lose. And I think that as a leader, you have to be very intentional with every interaction that you have mm-hmm. with your team, even when the team is being dysfunctional. Yeah. Um, it's going to determine how you approach uh, that situation with future interactions in mind. So, Jeff, thank you so much for yeah, taking the thanks time for having me to, to speak to our audience. Mm-hmm. I know we talked about a, a wide range of, of conversations. Yeah. Uh, I think we only scratched the surface, but these are the things that I think a lot of people don't talk about, or they they, they know indirectly, but they don't. They're not taking the time to daily develop as leaders. So I appreciate you coming in and, and yeah. investing in, in me and investing in our audience. So I always do this with our guests. I want to give you the last word. Uh, you know the audience that we're trying to reach. You know yeah. uh, who uh, who these people are. Uh, I want to give you a direct conversation with them. Uh, yeah. What would you say your message is to young business leaders? My message would really be to meet and develop relationships with different people, different than yourself. I made a habit in my early 30s to create relationships with men and women that I could learn things from. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I still do today. I have monthly lunches or breakfasts with people that I can learn things from. And some of them are different than me, some of them are alike with me, but I really credit that, that that interaction with those different people to be one of the reasons why I really enjoy difference and why I look for that and I can really value that because what we think is my best thing is to be with people just like me mm-hmm. all the time and to be in a bubble and it's comfortable I mm-hmm. get it yeah because uh, I, I have a bubble group too that are just like me that we share a lot of same interests but I grow so much when I take time individually with people that are very different than me, that have different views, that look at things in different ways. And to me, if you can do that early on and cultivate those relationships early on, you can have the benefit of lifelong friendships, a lifelong network, and people that you can really confide in and ask really important questions. And I think to me, that's one of the most important things that you can do is is be with as many people as you can that are different than you and learn from them. Awesome. Jeff, thank you for taking the time to speak to our audience, to talk about developing teams, uh, and all you do with Leadership Tulsa. I think Thanks, that, man. Uh, especially if you're listening to this podcast in the Tulsa area, you guys need to check out Leadership Tulsa. It's a fantastic organization. Uh, I will say this. I am a part of uh, Class 58, which is the best class ever. Um, <laughs> so you're going to have a lot to live up to with that. But uh, beyond that, Uh, Young business leaders, choose to connect, seek development, and be inspired. We'll catch you on the next podcast. 
Young Businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.